Yes, you are listening to Cairo Radio. That's right. It is the John Gurley Sherry Alecker Show, where we got a little something uh, for you. Hey, hey Jenny, uh, this is Daniel down here in Olympia. Um, uh, Hello. I'm just yeah. curious if you guys had any more of that. Entertainment on the Cairo yeah. Radio Show, starring John Gurley and Sherry Elliker. Yeah. Hey. Wow, that is a yeah, great way to get started. Here comes Sherry. Let her entertain Let you. Entertain you. Let oh me make you smile. Uh, yes. Let me do Uh-oh. a few tricks, some old and then some new tricks. Uh-huh. Let oh. me make you. Let you me. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me make you smile. There you go. Oh, it is a jam-packed action show, I'll tell you. Uh, it's uh, getting close to Valentine's Day, so it's a little, little kind of frisky, as they would say, Sherry. So we got a couple of frisky moments. We'll tell you about the hottest ticket in town happening in Cleellum. The second Saturday of the month, I looked up. No one else anywhere else in the country, possibly in the world, is doing what they're doing in Cleveland. We'll tell you about that coming up at 430. But in the meantime, big news comes out of Boeing. There is a whistleblower. And they have distorted his voice. The news has this. This has now gone national. This uh, Boeing employee is basically giving some information as to what he thinks is uh, happening along the assembly line. Um, and Cairo 7 has some of the story for you. we got the rest of it here. A Boeing 7. employee concerned not only for his job, but for everyone who boards a Boeing airplane. It hurts because I know Boeing could be significantly better. This man tells us he works at Boeing's Everett plant. What made you decide to, to reach out, to speak out? January 5th. He's talking about Alaska Airlines Flight 1282 that had a door plug blow out mid-flight, leaving a gaping hole in the side of the plane. Another is being told by management to do something, and to my core, I could not do that. You were told by management to ship something that was not up to 100%. Correct. Being told to send a product no matter what that product is to a customer knowing that it is not right to ship it or send it to the customer in the manner that we are being told is wrong we can't like automobile manufacturers there are quality issues there but an airplane can't just pull off the side of the road when something goes wrong so, um, obviously concerned, she goes on, uh, Bridget goes on to ask uh, more about what's happening. I want to ask you about this photo that hangs in the plant um, that says, just ship it. That's the culture. That's the mantra. Everybody that passes through the main aisle sees that. If by, if by chance something is caught, it's caught by by chance, not by design, like those inserts. That was by chance that it was caught. 
and not by design. This man tells us he's gone through multiple channels to report these issues, but things still have not changed. That's that's what the management does. They, all they want to do is check their boxes, and they don't care about anything else. I love what I do. The policies, the rules need to be enforced. I'm just one person very low on the totem pole, and if I can see it, management should be able to see it, and they should be able to correct it. They don't. I wish they would. All right, so we do have a response from Boeing regarding this story. Boeing takes very seriously any allegation of improper work or unethical behavior. We continuously encourage employees to report concerns as our priority is to ensure the safety of our airplanes and the flying public. Since Cairo 7 contacted us Wednesday afternoon with general information, we have been working to assess these claims and will take any necessary action to ensure our airplanes meet all requirements. Boeing employees can anonymously report concerns through our Speak Up portal or directly to the FAA at hotline.faa.gov. Mm. All right. So the, a Toyota, a number of years ago, thing called Stop the Line. It was anybody that was involved in the assembly of that Toyota vehicle could stop the line for any reason. Yeah, sure, uh, sure, shop floor workers were empowered to stop the line. Um, and it gave everybody the power to feel everybody's responsible for the production of that case of for Toyota, that vehicle. In this case, this guy's coming forward and saying the culture itself is so damaged. If there's a sign that says, you know, just ship it. Uh, obviously, if that's hanging up there and nobody takes it down, it sort of sends a signal to everybody else that maybe people don't care as much as they should. Is this guy, um, because he's anonymous on this news piece, um, but if they find evidence that he's correct, um, does he plan to, does he, uh, you know, can he profit from this in a whistleblower case? Uh, what, that he's bringing evidence forward and, and being yeah. rewarded for it financially? Yeah. I, I don't know if that was ever offered. I don't know if that's offered or not. You know, I was reading to see what the problem was. So prior um, to 2000, so here's a tube. There's a tube of the plane. Prior to 2000, before a lot of air... Um, I think it's Ryanair is one of the first. Is, you know, we want a different configuration of the seats. We want the seats to be, we want to pack more people into these planes. And each one of the customers for Boeing are saying, we want more seats or this seat or that seat. So then Boeing said, okay, well, so we got this tube. So what we'll do is, depending on where the seats are and where the exits are, they would do cutouts along the tube. And then they would place uh, plugs, as are known, right? They would go into where the cutouts would be, depending on the configuration of the seats. So you have basically... You know, imagine a tube and then cutting out spaces in it and then putting doors, which would then be bolted in to cover up the areas that would, depending on where the exits need to be. And that was part of the problem. The, the problem that I've heard from people that really know Boeing and, and are involved deeply with Boeing say it has to come from a fresh piece of paper. You should redesign, get rid of the 737 MAX start all over again but the cost to start all over again you're better off sort of at, at adding things to the plane or subtracting things to the plane in order to cut down on the overall cost of the production of the plane and airbus did some fresh paper and created new planes and then they have been able to sort of take more and more away from boeing so obviously you have to be able to produce the plane and be able to sell the plane at, at a profit as a 
opposed to a loss. So hopefully he, like the best that can come out of anything. I saw Joe Rogan say when somebody asked Joe Rogan, best piece of advice you ever got from anybody. I forget who he was said was that every time this guy got bad news, no matter what the news was, I mean, as horrible as the news could possibly be, you know, what the guy's one word response would be Sherry. Good. Yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. Good. Why do you think that person would say good? Because um, adversity uh, offers opportunity, and yep. it's a learning thing. So whatever whatever life brings to you, you have to realize that you'll come out of that on the other side a different person. You'll come out smarter, stronger, all of those things. Right, to know something. So as all of this stuff happens, the doors coming off, the bolts being loose, all of this, all of these are indicators. The only time it is not good where there's no action to push in the opposite direction of the mistake if there's no adjustment to it. So this guy coming forward, is it, this is good. Uh, the doors, the bolts being loose, that's good because now people realize, oh, we got a serious problem. So good things happen from it. A terrible tragedy of Flight 261. And what Alaska Airlines had to do when it came to how it did its maintenance and everything else, it's tragic that those lives were lost more than, I think, 87 people died in that plane. But at that point, after that, then Alaska said, listen, we have to check this stuff differently and how we do it and how we, you know, grease the jack screws and all that. Some good came from that. Some more other lives were saved and less planes, you know, had that kind of problem. So hopefully it's sort of the big, you know, zen look at something like this is this is good if something is done about it which actually leads into the next story doesn't it so this is a woman who uh testified in portland they had i think the whole the mayor was there he's not running again city council was there and this woman named susan griffin gets up and she's in a wheelchair she rolls up to the microphone she apologizes prior that she's probably going to go over the amount of time but then she begins to explain what Portland, the Portland City Council and the mayor did to the city by basically abandoning the citizens. Good morning, my name is Susan Griffin. I'm a resident downtown in the apartment building I live in. I've lived there for eight years. I'm here because I would like to request that the city council and the mayor recognize the trauma that downtown residents have endured. When under a mandated lockdown, we were unable to have our apart to leave our apartments, and we were forced not to even stay with friends or family during the violent riots of 2020. And so, for over 150 consecutive nights, downtown residents were confronted with tear gas. We were subjected to months of hovering helicopters, flashbangs, mortars, ranting and chanting, violence. I listened to No Lives Matter until Black Lives Matter so many times until I actually believed that about myself. And as a result of that, I took some really huge losses physically. I went from 178 pounds down to 104 because of the stress. The sleep deprivation, the fear. Fighting back the tears and continuing with a speech. Recently, I've seen six dead men on downtown streets and sprawled out in Safeway's door entrances. It is still traumatizing to live downtown. 
two of those men, I'm pretty sure, died of their overdoses. I woke up every morning for over two years with tears dripping into my ears, exhausted from months of sleep deprivation, suicidal, and literally having to choose whether or not to live another day or jump out of my 10th story window. Multnomah Kaino crisis line hung up on me when I called them in a crisis and Cascadia Behavioral Health laughed and scoffed at me. To be very honest, the last three years of my life have been harder than the first three years after my only child died in 1982. If you can imagine a mother saying that, I want you to hear that and I want you to see me as a human being. Downtown residents, human beings, we've never been addressed by this city. And our trauma deserves to be addressed. As one of my neighbors recently described, downtown is a death camp and we survive amongst Portland's walking dead. She asked for an apology. And it is tragic. Um, yeah. Um, she said, I want an apology. So the mayor, uh, Ted Wheeler, apologized, sort of. But before he did, he went on to talk about how hard it was for him as well. I wouldn't bother playing it. And that, that he suffered greatly, that his family suffered greatly, and that, you know, he too was a victim. He said he's still not ready to talk about 2020 because yeah, of how traumatic okay. it is for him. For well, him. Wait a yeah. minute. As a, as a leader, too bad you're not ready to talk about it. I mean, that's what you you overcome as a leader and you face these things. I mean, uh, he also got a divorce. I mean, there were a lot of things that happened to him. But uh, this poor yeah. woman, I mean, imagine she's disabled. She probably can't move or she can't afford to. I mean, it's, it's no, she can't afford to move. And she can't pay the rent. Yeah. Awful. And, and the reason I play it, I know, oh, that's Portland. No, there's people in Seattle will be able to tell the same sort of stories. It was worse in Portland, a smaller city. Um, and the, well, we had almost, this, they had protests every single night. We had protests in Seattle every single night as well. They had protests, a hundred days of protests. They were far more organized and deadly and more destructive for this woman and for other people as well. But Portland in Seattle are very similar, very similar with the deaths, with the lack of leadership, with the people that were supposed to be in charge, basically kowtowing or being completely cowed by the Black Lives Matter terrorists that took over that city, that were fun functioning with absolutely no rational thought as to the conditions of the people in Portland. So George Floyd dies, and then, and by the way, four people in 2019 were killed by police, and one of them was black. But then the idea that, oh, no, all of Portland is a mess, that all defund the police, get rid of this, get rid of that. You know, I mean, so Seattle had the same sort of thing, but because Portland's a little tighter, smaller, packed-in city, that we, you know, it was more devastating for the people that were in there. But we kind of spread out all the protesting and all the rioting. Um, but not to the same sort of concentration. But I'm sure somebody from Seattle could get up and tell the same story. And to, to basically show you firsthand, the mayor takes time to express that he too is a victim. I, I, yeah, I, I, I apologize, but I want to let you know how hard it was for me. Mm -hmm. uh, tragic. And this is not, this is Portland, this is Seattle, this is uh, Minneapolis. Minneapolis is a mess, a mess. Oh, look, the number of arrests that Portland police are doing 2017, 18, 19, and then 20. It has gone way down, and now it is just, as she says, you know, a city of zombies.
the mayor did apologize prior to this to rioters for police behavior and to squatters mm-hmm. for dismantling their autonomous zone. Right. Right. So he's apologized That's to right. people doing the the harm, but just yeah. now he's apologizing to, to citizens who were deeply affected and traumatized by this. Yeah. There you go. It's a Friday. That means know-it-all quiz is going to be happening. Danny, get ready. She's got a big box of cookies over there. Big box of Barbie cookies. And one lucky person gets a chance to come on the radio. Who knows? A lot of people here at Cairo have been discovered by playing the uh, know-it-all quiz. Right, Sherry? Oh, yeah. Lots. You didn't have time to go through the whole list, but just use your imagination. You can tell. Uh, Joe, we don't have anybody yet, but I'm sure the calls will come rolling in shortly, right? They sure will. They always that's do. That's right. That's, that's right. I'm going to get on early. Here you do uh, Think of one interesting thing about yourself. Tell Joe. one 973 Joe Mama. There you go. That's the... Uh, that's your uh, text line right over there, Muckleshoot Casino text line. Okay, uh, this is a this is. Do you think this is weird that this happened, Sherry? That this this guy or this mom took her daughter took took her son to see a prostitute? Yes, I, I think it's gross. Um, it's not. It's, it's it's not exactly like that. Well, the way that they're presenting it is a little bit different. Uh-huh. They're calling this woman okay. an intimacy coach. And Uh it's for young men, I think they have to be 21, who have either never dated or never had any kind of experience. So Mm -hmm. moms are paying for this, for this lady to take them out on their first date and then give Uh them some, quote unquote, experience. Um, And she... And her name is Alice Little. Mm -hmm. And she said that this is a safe sexual experience and a lot of the people that come to her are either video gamers <laughs> hey. oh shocking oh wait oh. <laughs> they've been uh-huh. bullied or uh-huh. they're from a you know the mothers are doing this from a place of care and concern mm-hmm. um, and she gives them confidence so then they can go on and have that don't you think um uh, uh. having the first experience with a professional is gonna set up their expectations a, a little out of out of whack. Easy <laughs> choice of words. I'll take I'll take what premise from what famous Look movie? Look at this. Need a car? Date our son this summer and bring him out of his shell before college. In exchange, we'll give you a Buick Regal. Date is in quotes. It's got to be a joke, right? We've just been so worried about our son. He's going to Princeton in the fall. No, I've heard of it. You know, we tried everything to bring him out of his shell. He doesn't come out of his room. He doesn't talk to girls. He doesn't drink. So when you say date him, do you mean date him or date him? Yes. Date him. Date him hard. I'll date his brains out. (laughs) (laughs) Would it make you feel any more comfortable, Sherry, to know that this has been going on for centuries? I, I do realize that, and I know I, there's lots of Victorian movies. England princesses yes. and dukes. And what if you knew that? How would you feel if you knew that Richard Branson's father did this for him? I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I I think the part that's that's weird is the mothers are doing it. Like that's a that's kind of an old thing, you know, where the father tells the son, "Hey, here you go, have a great time." But for the mothers to do it, it just seems extra creepy. I'll make a. Sweeping generalization. 
That is the food that we eat here and talk about. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, I'm going to say they're divorced. Dad's not living there. Kid's living with the son. Mom takes the kid. It makes the news because the mom takes the kid. But in this case, the mother is concerned with the child. And, you know, she maybe she doesn't want him to turn into an uh, incel. Right? As a, people that are voluntarily celibate. So she takes him to the, see this young Irish lass now living in the United States, moved here when she was five years old. She lives in Nevada, so it's perfectly legal there. And um, But you do bring up a good point. It's like, wow, it's a professional. Right. right? And she's the one that's guiding them. And, and if they're dating, I mean, I don't mean to be cruel, but chances are the women that they'll go on to date are a little bit like them. So they're not going to necessarily be as advanced as she is, and they're uh-huh. going to do nothing but compare. And what's stopping them then when they start making their own money just using this as their outlet, using Alice Little, who is employed with the, at the chicken ranch. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Famous chicken ranch. Yep. Closed on Sundays. Uh I think it would be good for somebody like that because even, yes, the expectations might be higher, but it's a confidence thing. And you just like, you know, what's behind that door moving forward. And that could that could be a huge detriment to somebody. But you don't really you're not you don't get unshakable confidence by paying for it. You get no. unshakable confidence well, from not if your mom pays. You know, you know, from things yourself. Mom and dad buy the car, and then you learn to drive the car. Yeah. You didn't pay for the car. You learn to drive the car. Yeah. Yeah, put yeah. on your blinker. Okay. Yeah. Right. You know where the key Listen. goes and where the shifter thing is, you know? Oh, like these guys okay, that are Joe, Joe, we, we, Joe, we, have... Joe, we got the analogy. Oh, we don't need I, to get I, into that. And I'm sure, I'm sure none of them watch porn. None of them. <laughs> so they, they don't even know anything. They're poor little naive things sitting there with their computers, but no porn. These guys know what to do. This is just a way for, I don't know, mom to be overly over, gross. Can you imagine your mom being involved in something like this? Ugh, no. God, no. Oof, oof, oof. Yeah. When my mom found, my mom came into my room one time, cleaned up, and she found, I had a, like a, from Leo Holt's collection of Playboys, I had this one piece torn out, and she found it and i came home from school she goes, not to you i said which was unusual yeah sure mom what's up um i just want to let you know that mom sees all and she even left a note upstairs in my room where i had that thing hidden it was her note, handwritten note mom knows everything mom sees all it's like eh, really because right next to that was a giant stack of playboys that you missed but um she says so i found this i'm not gonna say anything to your father i just want to let you know you know that it's just letting you know you know just <laughs> But just let you know, I was like, mm-hmm. ah, all right. Did okay. you feel shamed by that? I actually recorded the entire experience, Sherry, and <laughs> okay, I, okay. I can play that for you now if you'd like to okay. hear it, all right? Okay. I added music, too. Oh, excuse me, Ricky. Ricky, I did see what you were doing. It felt good. My mom used to call me Ricky, too, by the way. There's her nickname. Oh, I was going to say, where, where did Ricky I did from? see what you were doing. It felt good, didn't it? It's all right. We all have feelings like this sometimes. I'm just glad you're doing this in the privacy of your own room. Thank when you're you, a little bit older, we'll have to talk more about these feelings and, and what not. causes them 
and how um, we can control these feelings. Well, you're really hurting the feelings right I'm now. I'm sorry <laughs> I intruded on your privacy. I'll uh -huh. be sure to knock next time, okay? That's okay, because I'm going to throw myself out the window as soon as you leave. I know. Ah, how much it's worse was it? She should have just closed the door and walked away and washed her eyes out with Clorox. But, ugh, imagine your mom pulling that power trip on you. I saw what you were doing, Ricky. Sherry. Oh, we all have those. Stop, stop. We all have those feelings. I want to hear it coming from you. Well, oh, I'm sorry, Ricky, even though you heard it from your own mom. <laughs> I won't say oh another my word. God. But I'm going to call you Ricky for the rest of the show. <laughs> no, it's don't. It makes me feel things I shouldn't feel. I um, Here's the last part. This is from a video I found from like the 1960s or something. He's the child of guilt and assures him he is normal. It opens communication between parent and child and introduces the concept of responsibility for his behavior. Yeah. Very progressive. There you go. All right. Feel better now? I feel fine. But my mom didn't take me to a brothel either. She let me figure things out on my own. Imagine that, your mom, your mom taking, oh, I'm going to take you to a Chippendale. Right. <laughs> and then we're going to meet afterwards with Brutus. This is my and friend you Alice. Guys, yes, you guys can go out on a, on a little date, maybe some coffee. Oh it's okay if you don't well, now you well, Hold on, when you put it back, what? now you're ruining it. You put it, you switch the, you're switching the parts around. You're making Ricky sad. Ricky sad. <laughs> It's okay, Ricky. No, don't, don't, Sherry, Thank, stop. I'm glad stop, you're Sherry. doing it behind Sh closed doors. Nate! Because Nate. most people do it out in the open. Nate, Nate, uh. Nate. Ba -ba 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 -ba. All right, more airline talk. British Airways. Flight. What's wrong? <laughs> I heard heavy breathing. Yeah, that was an You're audible right, sure. gasp of disappointment. Uh, <laughs> I didn't hear that, like, did I? Yeah, I heard something. Oh, sorry. I just put my headphones on. That's okay, Ricky. And that, that, that's heavy uh, lifting for me. British Air. <laughs> can I get through the first okay, two words? go, 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 go. British Airways flight prevented from taking off after a surprise inspection revealed that its seat cushions were too padded. Why is that a problem? Well, they were... They were taking off in Italy uh, to uh -huh. go to London, and they had a surprise inspection. And oh. they said that the offending cushions affected seats in the overwing exit rows, which oh, yeah. are usually uh, pronou more, less pronounced to create more space. So they mm. had everybody kind of check their own seat and check what the serial numbers were. Uh, there's a little video of it, but it, it doesn't have any... I mean, it's just people yeah. looking under their seats and doing all that. So, I see. Um, thank you, it, thank you for yeah. showing us how to look under your seat. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> You're really firing all cylinders today. <laughs> and uh, well, looks like this Finnish Airways has begun weighing this passengers. This is a story that is getting so much attention online. It sparked some debate right here on the set. With that question, <laughs> should airlines be weighing passengers? And this morning here, we go to the experts for answers, and it turns out the explanation oh, the has to do with safety. 
This morning, oh. the Scandinavian airline no. Finnair inviting passengers to be weighed in along with their carry-on baggage. The airline says the goal is to collect anonymous data on average weight of passengers with their hand luggage for the purpose of aircraft balance and performance calculations that are needed for the safe operation of flights. So far, 600 passengers have volunteered for the survey. Airlines use an average uh, for male and for female and for summer and for winter. And you need to correct those every now and then, especially if the population has gotten a bit more pudgy. It turns out the airline has been doing this since 2018, and it's completely voluntary. It's not uncommon for some international airlines to do weight surveys every few years required by their governing bodies. Every five years, you figure the population changes a little in weight, and that's why these tests are needed. And Finnair is not alone. Air New Zealand weighed more than 10,000 passengers last June. Air New Zealand calling the survey essential to the safe and efficient operation of the aircraft and that the pilot needs to know the weight and balance of a loaded plane before takeoff. And yeah. Korean Air did it in the fall, saying collecting this data was crucial for the safety of flight operations. And again, this is completely voluntary. Nobody is being forced to step on a scale. But when this happened, it, of course, certainly triggers a lot of good questions, maybe even some anxiety from a lot of people. But, Robin, you had a good solution. Well, mm -hmm. just put the whole plane on a scale. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because if it's, voluntary, if, if it's voluntary, it means you're not getting the information that you need. So right. when everybody's on board, isn't there some way, technology, you can... I mean, you'd think so in 2024 <laughs> we could figure that out. I know. Because okay. as John said, we're getting may punchy. I, Robin, may, excuse me, Robin. <laughs> it's where you put the people, right? If you put everybody in the back, all heavy people in the back, it has an effect upon the runway, the thrust to get to V2, V, uh, with V, with a V2 ro rotate or V1, V1 rotate where V1 is where you, you're not going too fast, too far in order to stop. But at a certain point, you cannot stop. It's V2 or whatever it is that the plane's going to, you're running out of runway. You got to get that nose up in the air. So they move the people around because they can't have everybody all heavy in the back. They switch them around. One time, got on a plane flying to Salt Lake, and uh, I think UW football or somebody's on there. These guys were huge, and they boop, they put like place one guy here, one there, one there. Move them around, weights and measures where they all are, evenly distributing the weight of the plane. So if you are a female in the in the summer, you they can, they think you weigh 145 pounds, Sherry, <laughs> and then in Not the me. winter. You balloon up to one seventy nine. Yeah, yeah. After the holidays, people don't really pack on a good thirty, forty pounds. I was going to say that's because more weight. You're carrying more stuff. Uh, well, they weigh you with your bags, so that's the other thing. Is you can say, well, like I weigh one hundred and two. So if all of a sudden I weighed, you know, one hundred and sixty, I could say, mm -hmm. well, it's, it's a forty pound or sixty pound bag. Um, <laughs> Shoes well, my, my question is, if, yes, okay, if it's only, I think Robin made a good point. If it's if it's voluntary, they're not getting an accurate assessment anyway. And and also, what if you paid to? Let's say you paid when you selected your seats and you wanted to yeah. sit in an aisle seat near the front of the plane or whatever it is, and suddenly they say, no, you're too light or too heavy. You have to move. Where where are your rights? I don't know how they do it. I know that when you go to get the the, the ticket, the last male or female, and then I guess there's a algorithm that figures everything out, and they should move them in there. But maybe in most cases, it's okay if they're not if they're carrying more weight. I'm sure someone who's listening works for sure. Boeing or is a pilot <laughs> is going to be able to answer that. The Google Here's listener. 
Yeah. I saw a guy uh, say that he is Southwest. You know, you can say, Willison, I'm, I'm overweight. I need two seats. So the guy just went up there and said, yeah, I'm overweight. I need two seats. I need the seat next to me to be free. You're not going to charge me for it. I just need to be open. And then they're like, uh, you're not really. He's like, yeah, I'm overweight. Go ahead. Say I'm not overweight because I'm, I'm overweight. As far as I'm concerned, I want the seat next to me to be free. Which kind of stuck them because then they're like, uh, well, technically. And I think yeah, the guy was like, nope. Yeah. They don't. They probably yeah. don't have guidelines for that. Like if you're over, because it's sort of dependent. I mean, you can be really short and not weigh a lot, but still be big. Yeah. There you go. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You, just, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're three feet tall. You weigh yeah. 200 pounds. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> The answer to the question that Sherry had was, but what if you reserve the seat and then they find out you're too fat or you're too heavy to move you around? one 973 because we're all too lo- too lazy to look it up on Google. <laughs> Come on now. Yeah, Google right, us. Gonna, yeah, Google 8 yourself.